Good morning, good morning. How are you this morning? Lovely to be here with everyone. This is Brenda Shoshana Eshen um, with another episode of Zen Wisdom for Your Everyday Life. And spring is just on the cusp of joining us. Well, we're joining spring. <laughs> Beautiful day, warmer, a little bit warmer, warmer, colder, warmer. All of it is just part of everyday life. So anyway, the title for our podcast for today is something that's very, very dear to my heart and that I'm going to explore in this podcast and in general, in a larger sense as well. So the title is Making Your Life into a Zen Koan. Now, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? What is your life? That's a fantastic koan right there. And how do you make it into a Zen koan? So let me let me begin at the very beginning and talk a little bit about koans themselves. And what, what is, what's a koan? Now, in Rinzai Zen, and sometimes also in Soto Zen, one of the heart of Zen practice is the koan. And the koan is given to the student by the teacher typically. And what it is, is a question, an unanswerable question, seemingly, seemingly unanswerable question. At the very least, it's an illogical question. It's a contradictory question. It's baffling. It doesn't make sense. Now, we've all heard some of the more common ones like, show me your face before your mother and father were born. That's a very well-known one. There are others that are very well-known. Pick up this stick without using your hands. Move the mountain without using your hands. There are many, many koans, many, many beautiful, actually they're beautiful koans. The Gateless Gate is a text which is filled with them. And these koans are really the history of the questions that these great Zen teachers gave to their students. Now, normally when we receive a question, we try to figure it out, of course strategize. How am I going to understand this? What am I going to do about it? How am I going to solve it? That's very normal. It's the same thing when we receive a problem. We do the same thing. How am I going to figure this out? What are the benefits? What are the losses? How is How does it make sense? And, you know, and also a very big part of figuring out a problem is the question, well, what's in it for me? That's a big part of trying to solve uh, one of our normal conflicts or questions in our everyday life. What's, what's the advantages? What's the disadvantages? This is how the mind works. This is how we're wired. And this leads us nowhere. <laughs> it leads us into more and more knots and tangles. And it's such an interesting process to work with a koan or to work on a koan because you don't work on it, it works on you. 
But a Zen student will take this koan to their cushion, to, to their zazen, their meditation practice, and work on it. And by that, what they mean is there are many different ways of working on a koan. Um, and in the beginning, what they will do with it is what they do with their life in general. They'll, because when we sit on the cushion, <clears throat> we repeat what we do in life. It just becomes exacerbated because we can see it clearly. We can see what we're doing, which is a huge gift. So we'll try to figure it out. We'll bring all kinds of answers to the teacher. A good teacher will say, no, 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 ring the bell, kick you out. I got kicked out so many hundreds of times from my teacher. No, get out of here. No, 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 no. Right away, boom, not a moment. No approval for solving your question. Just keeps kicking you out. So that's another koan dealing with the rejection, constantly rejection. I had that for years and years with my teacher, my beloved teacher who I miss so deeply now, although he's with me, of course. But he's he passed, but he hasn't passed, but he has on another level as well. Now, all those years of so-called being wrong, so-called being wrong, or being or, or grappling with your koan the way you grapple with your life, which in a sense is wrong. I mean, this is not about right and wrong, unproductive, or a way of grappling, you end up getting kicked out. No, 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 try much. Sometimes they say try harder. Sometimes they say do it again. Keep going. Almost, not yet. Or sometimes you pass your koan. Oh my gosh. You pass it, then you're on seventh heaven. Then the next time you go to the meeting with your teacher, he asks you the same koan and you answer, and then you fail it the next time. <laughs> Interesting. Isn't this a wonderful, wonderful teaching device? But it's more than a teaching device. Finally, you're forced through repeated, repeated, repeated efforts to let go of your usual way of dealing with a so-called question that cannot be answered or a problem that has no solution, that's illogical, that's irrational, that's mysterious, that's, we don't, which in a sense is life itself. You know, we think life has many answers. We have, we have so-called problems that pop up. And we must find an answer to them so the koan is replaying that little drama for us. We think, oh my goodness, I'm going to find the answer. We think that. Let me try again and again and again. And often we repeat the same problem a thousand times. Not ever, ever thinking, oh, maybe it's something about the way I am approaching this. Hmm. Maybe there's another way, or maybe we just let go of the <clears throat> problem itself, <coughs> excuse me, or of the koan. Stop struggling with it, stop grappling with it, stop trying to figure it out, and just sit with it. <clears throat> On the cushion, that's how we think of it. We just sit with it. We return to our zazen with it. It is not dominating us anymore. We're not trying to figure it out anymore. We're not trying to impress our teacher or be smart. We're just sitting, living, breathing, being deeply, and our koan is coming along for the ride. It's there with us too. 
So as we ripen in life and in our practice, we find new ways of being. We don't find it. They find us. Let's be honest. We don't find anything. We sit and life and life breathes us. We're breathed. We sit and the koan works on us. There's a wonderful little Zen saying about working on a koan, and it says, well, when, when, when do you, when do you, when, it's not like you conquer it or find an answer either, but something, when you so-called pass your koan, something profoundly shifts in your life. It just shifts by itself. And the koan just opens to you. As they say, well, my teacher always used to say, in the readiness of time, which I, I love that saying. I didn't love it all the time. He said it over and over because we're so impatient. We want the answer or we want to know what it is right now. But he would always say, in the readiness of time, meaning give it over to time. When you're ripe. There's also another beautiful saying which says, when it's soup, it's soup. <laughs> you know, you put all the ingredients into a delicious soup. Put it on the, on the stove. Put the heat, just, just the right amount. And then you just have to let it cook. The ingredients are there. Everything is there. The heat's there. The soup. But it's not soup until it's soup until it's all ready, till everything has been digested, has been worked to cook together. Same thing with a koan. Same thing with life itself. Of course, this is applying to our life itself. A, a very, another very beautiful, beautiful teaching for how to work on a koan, and there are many ways of working with a koan, not figuring it out not struggling with it, not hating it, not loving it. There are many, many, many ways, and there are many instructions. Actually, I wrote a book called Zen Play, The Art of Being Fully Alive, and it's all about koans, playing with koans, different ways of working with koans, and actually that's the same as life itself, which is a huge koan, although we don't take it that way. So when we learn how to be with koans, of course, the beauty is that we begin to approach our life in the same exact way. And then we're in a whole new ballpark. So one of the ways that I wanted to talk about today about working with a koan, of course, zazen is always the basis of our koan practice, which means we sitting on the cushion, sitting, 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 which means not moving away from it, not, not running away from it, becoming quiet, becoming still, sitting, being with our breathing. And when we're doing koan practice, it's also being with our koan, being with it, not trying to dominate it, by the way, not trying to pull it apart, or solve it even, just being with it. And, and let me share a beautiful, one of the, one, there are many, but one of the beautiful steps of working on a koan, which is sit with your koan 
as if you were a mother hen sitting on a nest, keeping her little chicks warm. So that now that's beautiful. The image is the mother hen. She's sitting on her nest. She has little chicks in the eggs in the nest. They haven't quite come out yet. They haven't pecked out yet. But she's keeping them. She's just accompanying them. She's keeping them warm. She's letting them grow as they will. And when they're ready, of course, peck, peck, the little chicks will peck and burst out, just like the koan. When it's ready, of course, peck, peck, it will burst forth into your awareness. You'll see what it was, what it is. You won't only see it, the very act of the little chick pecking out of the egg and the little koan pecking up out of your consciousness, it, you will not only see it and understand it in a certain way, but you will be altered. You'll become more alive. You'll come it's like a chick is bursting into life. You will become more and more alive <clears throat> as the koans reveal themselves. It'll be something you have integrated, something you've become, not something you know. Now, that's a whole other part of koan practice, which is so wonderful. Mostly we know things in our head. We might have an answer to this or that, but it hasn't been assimilated or digested into our life itself, into our body, into our actions. We might hear, oh, yes, I should be kind. Kindness is important. It's a precept. It's a this, it's a that. Very good. Very good to know that. But what good does it do you really just only to know it? Nothing. You're not feeling it. You're not living it. You don't really know it. You just know it in your head. So if an opportunity comes along where kindness is needed, you might not even see it or realize it or respond to it if that knowledge hasn't been totally digested into your flesh and bones. And that's what koan practice does. It digests it into your flesh and bones. You become it. So that, as that example I just gave, if a need for kindness comes along in your life, you immediately see it. It's not that you have to think about it. You just see it. You know it, and you respond instantly and appropriately. It's a different way of being, not through your head alone. Now, nobody's rejecting the mind, but it doesn't run the show. It's a first step toward integrating the koan. You have to hear it, you take it in. And of course, the koan baffles the thinking mind, which as it should, because life itself is baffling. Let's face it, it's baffling. So when I say making your life into a Zen koan, I, it means approaching your life the way you would a koan. And there's a lot more to say about this, because life itself gives us endless koans, which we define as problems, but rather than thinking of them as problems, and if you think of it as a koan and begin to work with it that way, everything will be very different. So I will talk more about this. I'm going to do some workshops on this online. I've done them in person at different Zen communities. And I think it's a very important time to 
to explore this. And because it's also a lot of fun to do it, it's life-giving. And it's, it's something that can turn everything around. It can turn the way you approach what seems to be something very painful or something that cannot be solved in your life. And yes, you cannot solve it, but it can be, I wouldn't use the word solved, it can be revealed. Mm, how beautiful. The answers, and they're not answers in the usual sense, but the heart of the matter can be revealed. And when it's revealed on a deeper level, it's yours forever. So thank you very much for listening today. I really appreciate it. It's great to be with you. You can hear the podcast on zenwisdomtoday.com. And also, um, if you need to talk to me or would like to be in touch about anything, my email is topspeaker at yahoo.com. Thanks again, and I'll speak with you next week. Take good care and have a beautiful day. Bye.